John Smith with Geeks and Drink at the Alamo Draft House. You're listening to the Feedback Podcast. All right, we're live, folks. This is the first. I'm kind of. Ex- I'm really excited because I get new toys. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we're video now. We're official. But actually, we're a TV show now. That's how. That's how I think about it. Yeah, that's right. A new medium. Yeah, I know. All right, so. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back. As always, to my left, I got Miko. How you Hello, doing, Hello, Austin. We're back okay. after a two-week hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels good to be back. I'm not going to do it. I was just in France for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It was very refreshing. I probably have a stronger French accent now. That's always what happens when I come back from France. And so uh, for our first episode back, we got Rattle Tree in the house. How you doing? Good. Great. Doing well, good. doing well. Great thank you. Thank you, thank, you for, uh, thank you for coming. And uh, we're live on Facebook, the feedback. So uh, we'll be taking phone calls a little later if we have time. The number is 512-539-0225. And let's get into it. The backstory, I call it. <laughs> I love my name. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. My name's The Brain. I love it. So what's your musical background? Like, do you grow up with the family of musicians and just picked it up one day? And how did that happen for you? Yeah, well, I, I was first exposed to music from my dad, who was just kind of a, he would sit around with an acoustic guitar and picking and grinning. And so, you know, I was like six or seven years old and just first learned my first A minor chord on that guitar and really got hooked. And then, so guitar was my first instrument, played that. And when I was 11, I decided that I'm going to be a professional guitar player. So I just started spending all my time practicing then. And then I went to... Uh, University of North Texas for mm-hmm. jazz guitar. So I was like a jazz guitar guy for many years. And until I found the Mbira music, which is the traditional Zimbabwean instrument. And when I heard that, all the music I had been doing on the guitar was all this kind of cyclical, multi-melody kind of music. But mm-hmm. it was I wasn't able to get it to resolve. You know, it was like driving me crazy. And then I heard the Mbira. Wait, wait, how did you... Here in Bira, and what? How did yeah. that happen? Well, I first because my folks they split when I was really young, so uh-huh. I grew up with my dad and my stepmom. And uh, at that point, my mom was living in New Mexico, so I would go out to New Mexico and visit her. And I was up in Taos at this hot springs. Oh, hmm. I've been yeah. there. You've been there? <laughs> yeah, I've been to Taos. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a magical place, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I was just down. I, I may or may not have been on on some psychedelics and <laughs> i was i was sitting next to the rio Grande river just watching all these streams and eddies and currents mm-hmm. uh-huh. circling around and i started hearing this music that was matching these streams and these currents i'm hearing this music it's like this is the music that that i've been hearing inside my soul you know so i walked around the corner and there was a guy there playing the imbira Hmm. And, you know, I, I was like watching him for I don't know how long, you know, and so I, I left, I actually hiked up, it was at Stagecoach, so I hiked up the big ravine there, and as I was hiking up, this music, it wouldn't let me go. I was like, man, I, I have to know how to do this music, so I just sat there and waited and waited, and this guy finally came back, and I asked him where this instrument came from and what it was, and he told me, it's Nimbira, and there's a guy in Santa Fe that builds them. Hmm. And this guy, Dan Pauly, builds them. So he gave me his name and his number. Mm-hmm. And that was actually like just a couple of days before I was going to leave Taos and go back to the uh, University of Texas and, and uh, Denton there. And so on my way back, 
It's kind of it's a little embarrassing, but I was actually like living out of my VW bus. You know, I didn't have any money. I was living on food stamps. <laughs> I I had like literally food stamps at that time, um, and so I went to Santa Fe and I found Dan. You know, and he was just as poor as I was, <laughs> and I was just like. You know, here's some like hippie kid he's never met before. And I'm like, I need to get one of these instruments. I don't have any money. Can I can I pay you in food stamps for, <laughs> for, these in, for this instrument? And he was like, like, I would, but I need money, too. So I ended up going down to the grocery store and selling my food stamps to somebody. Wow. And getting cash and taking it to Dan and giving him cash. And, and then, you know, I was able to get this this Invira. And he taught me my first couple of songs. And then, you know, then I went back to to uh, UNT there in Denton. Yeah. And I didn't last great very long. School. It was it was a great school. It's a great place. But at that point, I just became obsessed with the Mbira. And so I was just playing Mbira for about, you know, 8 to 12 hours every day. Mm-hmm. Wasn't going to classes anymore. <laughs> and I called Dan back and I was like, I, I just want to come back and play. So I ended up leaving school and moving back to Santa Fe and starting a band with Dan. Huh. And, and we did that for many years, and we were you know, touring and all that. That was a band called Jaka. For, for those who don't know, it's actually, I, I should introduce y'all personally. Like, <laughs> I said Rattle Tree, like your people. Uh, yeah, of course, Rattle Tree. I'm like, you got to know who's in Rattle Tree. Joel and... Ra- Rakefit. Rakefit, that's yeah, right. Yeah, thanks back. Yeah. That's, that that's my fault. That's my fault. So <laughs> Are we already out of time? Yeah, no, we're out of time. Thanks so much, everybody. Hey, that's over. No, that's but can you describe what the instrument looks like? Yeah, the Yambira, you know, when people, people often see those little... Blocks of wood. It's great. You got a camera. So it's yeah, like yeah, a block of wood. Man, I should have yeah. brought one. And it has these metal tines and you pluck them. Uh-huh. And so people think of like thumb pianos or kalimbas, like the smaller kind of touristy ones with like a coconut shell on the back. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the family of the instrument. But in Zimbabwe, where the Mbira comes from, they, they took that instrument and they added lots of keys and they have a really deep and complex repertoire of music. So the spiritual spirit possession music of of zimbabwe is played on the mbira oh so what what is the is there like a ceremony some kind of cultural meaning to it is it played at when the baby's born like i'm it's yeah it, it's played at all the major functions so it's specifically it's the shona culture in zimbabwe there's a few different tribes and it, it's the shona tribe that that does the mbira and it's used so like a lot of African religions, it's it's they believe in their ancestors are are a part are still with them. Mm-hmm. So the mbira is used to communicate with the ancestors. The ceremony is called a bira ceremony, and you'll have mbira players will come and play, and there's a spirit medium that'll be there that'll get possessed by depending on the ceremony. It might just be family spirits, or it might be national spirits, or even a larger. Uh, you know, larger level within the hierarchy of of that spirituality. So yeah, and you actually went to Zimbabwe. I did. Yeah, I first went in 1998. Then I lived there for several years. And how was that? I, I mean, did, did you know Shona? How did you? I I didn't. I first started learning Shona. You know, like I said, I kind of hinted to you know when I first heard the music, I knew it was like I at that point. In like in music school, you know, you have to practice all the time. Right. And and so I was doing that and I was trying to make this music that was like this cyclical music and I couldn't find the resolutions and I I was mm-hmm. driving myself crazy. Like I couldn't figure out what 
was in my head. So mm -hmm. I really do believe that when I heard the Embira, that was what I was trying to do. To get out. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so it was like such a relief. Like hearing the Embira yeah. was, oh, I don't have to invent anything. I just have to learn this <laughs> instrument. You know, like it already exists. Um, so because of that, I pretty much just jumped right in and you know, when you play in Bieta, there's there's vocal lines. So I started learning Shona by learning songs uh -huh. and, and, you know, learning as much Shona as I could here in the States before I, I went to Zimbabwe. And my teacher doesn't speak English. So, you know, as soon as I went there, it was pretty much, you know, we were living together for that at that point like two years so you know if we wanted to communicate i needed to learn shona yeah they were gonna learn your language yeah how, how long did it take you from the moment you from that that inspirational spiritual moment where you first heard it to getting to zimbabwe what was the time span there was four years so in that four years i joined jaka and then we started touring and i i was just i was ravenous i would meet any Mbita player, any town we're going into, mm -hmm. I'd try and see if there was an Mbita player there that could teach me anything. So after, you know, traveling around the Pacific Northwest, there's some Mbita players up there and in Canada. And at that point, I felt like I learned everything I could from, from anyone else. You and needed a new master. I, well, I needed to go, <laughs> I needed to go to the source because yeah. everyone that was teaching me were white Americans right. or Canadians or, you know, so I, I needed to get there to know what the hell I was doing. That's awesome that you went and made that trip and that journey to do it. And how long were you there? Well, I've gone back many times. What, to live uh, as well? Yeah. Come back many times? Okay. Yeah. But that first, yeah. that first, first trip, how long were you My there? first trip, I was, only, I was there for four months. Okay. And I just, I had no money. Here I am again with the money thing. But, you know, I got there. And, uh, yeah, so four months, the first trip. And, okay. And I didn't know anybody in Zimbabwe. I had, you know, a list of names. So I was kind of use that first trip as a chance to really just get your network meet as many yeah. people as I could and figure out because you know be it as like like any other instrument and in that people play it all different ways right and, you know there's like different things that are going to attract you so I did meet my teacher Matemai yeah. on that first trip and when I came back to the states you know I just came back and I was like I remember I came back on October 31st Right. Okay. And I just made a vow to myself that a year from today, I'm going to go back to Zimbabwe. And so in that year, I just, I saved up $10,000 from just working and eating, eating bagels, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I bought a bunch of recording equipment and my goal was to go back and then travel around and record as many of these different types of Mbieta music as possible. So that second trip, I went back for about two years and I was living with my teacher then, and we would just travel around to all these different ceremonies and these different parts of the country that play all these different styles and, and really just try and, try and like get some kind of understanding. You know? Some kind of attraction. Well, were people really receptive to you know, someone coming from, out, from outside and trying to learn you know, their music and everything? Was, it, was there like a, any kind of friction, or how, how did they receive all that? People in Zimbabwe are amazing. There, there was no friction in terms of any any resistance to me coming and learning. Right. You know, I mean, coming from a, a country that had been colonized by the British, you know, to see a white guy there, like, right. you know, respectfully asking uh, to learn. The people there are just just wonderful. 
you know, there are some spiritual aspects that I'm not allowed to be a part of, like some ceremonies that I just, I can't be a part of. Mm -hmm. So, but I wouldn't call that. It it was always respectful. It was always like, well, you know, sorry, you just can't do this. Right. You had plenty of other things, right? So that's fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, it's funny because like here I am like, like I'm, I, I'm not going to try and project, but maybe I sound like a badass or something like in going, but it's like, you know, if you're there in Zimbabwe, it's like, yeah, okay. You've been here for two years. Like what, it, what is two years really, you know, like in this ancient music of like deep, like there, there's so I've been playing this music now for 25 years. And every time I go, it's like, Oh, like that happens. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't even, I'm just a baby in this stuff, you know? Are you recognized at this point? When you go to Zimbabwe, uh, they give you a name, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what Africans do. Yeah. I mean, there's totems, you know. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, now when I go, I have the places that I go, you know, like I, because, I mean, I've got two kids and a wife here. <laughs> so yeah. I, I can't, you know, really go and like be there for a long time now. So it's kind of the trips nowadays are more like get there and go see Montemai and go go out to you know a few specific places and and those those traditional recordings are still mm-hmm. making money and so you know, i went for my first time last year in august with mm-hmm. joel and he's being a little humble i mean you, he speaks the language fluently he has such a network of of people there who are it's, it's incredible just to see him interact and and the richness of the culture and the music there and we had we had the opportunity and, and just the honor of going out to these really rural places and being able to give royalties to people who whose fathers, you know, had, mm-hmm. had recorded years right. and years and years ago who are now dead. And, you know, and just to be able to connect with these people and, and to see that they still are playing and, and carrying on this tradition. The music is over a thousand years old. I wow. mean, oh, wow. It's it's you know, you think Bach is 400 years, you know, right. I mean, it's 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 amazing. So. so so how did the the move to Austin happen? Well, so at that point I had been, I was in Albuquerque after, after that long trip, I moved back to Santa Fe and restarted a new band with Dan. And then, then I was living in Albuquerque. So, you know, that was like a four year, maybe kind of slog through the, the music industry in New Mexico, which, Mm -hmm. which at that point was, it just wasn't happening, you know? And so, so why did I come here? Well, I broke up with a in a I was in a long term relationship and the <laughs> music wasn't going anywhere and it was just like I I just need a change so mm-hmm. I actually met a girl sorry babe yeah yeah so I I met a girl who lived in Austin and I just came to visit you know and my first weekend at that at that time I was fixing guitar amps you know for a living too in New Mexico and. Mm-hmm. And I came here, and I like to say, you know, I came for a weekend. I was playing capoeira, and I, I met a capoeira group to play with. I got a job at South Austin <laughs> Music in this one weekend, and I was just like, man, like in one weekend, I wasn't planning on moving here. I've got a job. I've got a girl. I've got, <laughs> got like, an awesome got a social group. group. Yeah, <laughs> like there's this incredible music scene here. Yeah. Um, what year is this? That was in 2006. Okay. And. Yeah, so it was just like Austin was just such a welcoming feeling, you know. The the desert, New Mexico, I mean, it's an amazing place. I've spent a lot of my my time there, but the thing about the desert is is it's the desert, you know. Like everyone that's there is there has has a survival mentality. Like I feel mm-hmm. like you need to have that kind of mentality 
to survive, you know? And so coming to Austin was just such this like lush, creative, I didn't feel that kind of veil of this like survival mentality so much. Like, mm-hmm. like people were really welcoming. So I, I had started Rattletree with Dan in 2000. And then when I moved here, I'd, I brought the name and the band and, you know, meaning me, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, you know, I got here and, and realized, well, if I want to keep doing this, so I built the, in, the marimbas here and, and restarted the group here. So well, how was the, the reception? How did people react to world music? I mean, Austin is known as, yeah, the world music capital of the world, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But Austin music is... It's very like, hey, I'm a dude with a guitar. <laughs> right, I'm, a, I'm right. a folks guy, right. and I sing, and I play acoustic guitar. So here, here you show up, and you're like, hey, I was came back from Zimbabwe, guys. I got this <laughs> dope instrument that you never heard of, and let me play for you. Is so it a guitar? I, no. No. You don't got guitars over there. Like, no, I got this thing. Seriously, we build it, and we play it. It's, it's a great instrument. It's used in ceremonies and all that stuff. So how do people react to it, to it when you introduced it? They were blown away. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome I mean, to Austin, folks. <laughs> I mean, that that's the thing. It's like it, it is it's it's amazing fucking music, you know, like it's it's this like it it brings you in. It's trance music. It's dance music. It's music for the mind. It's music for the body. Mm-hmm. And, and so like when I was coming out there, you know, we lived off of South Congress mm-hmm. then. And first Thursdays were happening yep. all the time. So we would just bring the marimbas to first Thursday and just set up just and set play. Up, uh, huh. We would go to the rear entrance of Barton Springs and just set up and play on a Sunday. And, and I mean, people were like, people loved it. You know, the first art outside was was mm-hmm. there at the, uh, off of Old Torf and Lamar. What is it? Enchanted Forest. Enchanted, Enchanted Forest. Know? So yeah. they would just have us kind of set up. And it was just, it was so serendipitous. You know, I don't, you know like Rose Reyes. Like she's still no. around, but she was the she was the Amanda Garcia back then. Like she was part of the the um, Austin Convention Center and Bureau. And visitors oh, Bureau. Right. Omar's so over there she now, yeah. saw us just playing at some random first Thursday, and then or no, it was it was at an Austin first night where we just did we were doing gorilla gigs. You know, we just set up and play, okay. mm-hmm. and she saw us from there. And then we ended up doing a lot of stuff with like the the Convention Center because it was they were just really interested in showing different kinds of right music right, right, right. Huh. in austin yeah. so the the marimba is a giant xylophone just to be you yeah. know to be rough really yeah um yeah. so you, when you went to zimbabwe and bira was what you focused on mm-hmm. so how did this switch happen yeah so the marimba it it actually came it's not a traditional instrument in zimbabwe but in the mid 60s they had a music school in one of the in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of different tribes there, and so they wanted to actually create a type of African orchestral music that didn't have tribal roots. So mm-hmm. they started this marimba orchestra there, which is like a bunch of sopranos, altos, all the way down to the giant bass marimba. Which yeah. People who haven't seen it, it's like six feet tall and ten feet long, and <laughs> you stand on a big platform like this boom, desk. Boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's this huge sound of all of these marimbas, but it doesn't have that that ancient, you know, um, spiritual connection mm-hmm. that the mbira does. So it's more, it's all over Zimbabwe, and nowadays it's in all of like their equivalent of the elementary schools and high schools and even colleges. So it's part of their music curriculum. That's awesome. Um, so what happened there 
is like they've been doing that since the 60s and then you get all of these professional musicians that are Mbita players they've heard this marimba stuff and then they they just put all that Mbita music on the marimbas now mm-hmm. uh, and that's that was kind of my connection to the marimbas was taking that Mbita music putting it on the marimbas and then it then it's louder and you know you can get a yeah. drum set with yeah. it and get people dancing so when you first uh how did you get, <laughs> get oh God. so yep. uh i don't even know I, I haven't been dating for a while but i don't know if people are still using okay cupid so i met <laughs> we all know that right, right? Yep. so before tinder but uh, i met joel on okay cupid back in uh, 2012 and i had seen his band play at copa during south by the year before and i was like what are these giant like i mean you see seriously i mean the, huge, yeah. right. the mallets for that for that bass marimba are rubber dog balls like literally like it's insane so I, you know, I had that in my head and this guy contacts me and I Google him and find him. And, uh, so we go out on a few dates and then he invites me over to his house. He's living in this little bungalow, uh, that is no longer there. You know, it's been torn down it's a Condo much now. bigger house mm-hmm. now, but on Annie and, uh, <laughs> I walk into his house and he has like this entire marimba orchestra that he's, that he's built in his living room. I mean, it. There's no room. There's no couch. I mean, seriously, I mean nothing in the kitchen. You know, in the kitchen, there's marimbas. There's marimbas everywhere. So I'm like, what? And I'm not. You know, I don't. Not a musical person. I was doing fundraising. Like I'm. You know. Anyway, (laughs) just like I'm. Yeah, I'm like I'm not creative. Anyway, so he's like, oh, don't worry, you'll be playing in no time. I was like, you're crazy, absolutely (laughs) crazy. So, but you know, it just it just is infectious. Like it just brings you in, and you know now. People, so people would go to these gigs, you know, we still hear people at the full moon party from Barton Springs. We're like, oh my God, we actually were told that we couldn't come back because we brought too many people there. And it was like, nice. oh, wow, good which problem great, to have. right? It was good. <laughs> yeah. But it just, it just touches you on this, like, just this base level. Like, it's amazing, this high vibration music. So, you know, I just kind of floated towards it and I'm doing the merch and all that. And then I uh, picked up a mallet and... What's so cool about it is you can get people playing together in about yes. five minutes. And so, you know, I can be playing something real simple and he's going crazy with it and and I'm playing and it's like, right, wow, participating like, in it. Yeah. So it, that's how I found the music and just kind of worked its way in. And if I want to see him while he's building and doing all this stuff and playing, I had to join the business and now it's family business. So you built every single marimba you have? Yeah. Wow. I mean, folks, no, but I mean, it's, it's, it's really impressive because, you know, the, the, the craftsmanship of something this big and also like I, I'm from Senegal and we play Balafon. It's actually in our national anthem and it's basically wood. How, you, how would you call those things? Uh, wood keys, boards, really? Yeah, yeah I mean they, they're keys, but it's like wood boards with like gorge underneath, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then marimbas have pipes, mm-hmm. right? And you know, just putting all that stuff together and learning. Okay, if it, for someone like you, and I don't have any musical background yeah. either, yeah. but knowing, okay, you know, playing on this side or playing on that side. And so, how do, how do you actually learn the songs? Like, do you read Mm. notes or how does that? No, you don't need to read. You know, it's cyclical music, right? So you can just learn a little pattern, Uh like on the balafone too. But you can learn this little pattern to play. And, you know, depending on the skill level of the person, I might give them a more complex or a simpler pattern. Mm -hmm. But that's the great thing about this music is you can play a real simple pattern and then I can give you a different pattern and then then they all come together to create this complex whole, you know? Mm -hmm. 
but you might just be going like that, da 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 just over and over on that. Right. Get someone else building and with a syncopated polyrhythm going, and it's and you're flying. You know. How many people typical typically play on one? I mean, on one marimba is usually one person, but the orchestra you'll have normally it's seven, seven marimbas, and then someone playing the hosho, which are like maracas. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the like standard arrangement, but mm-hmm. you don't have to have. You can have. Sure, there's different variations, but yeah. that's so. So now you open the school, mm-hmm. and yeah. how? What is what is the um, I guess the structure of it? It's I would assume kids, adults alike. It's background, adults. no background, just come up and. Yeah, it's um, people hear the word school and they think it's kids, but we teach adults. Yeah. We're at, we might start a kids class if anybody is is watching and has kids. Does have a mini marimba? Um, <laughs> you know, we can, <laughs> we can like make it happen. <laughs> they can stand on a chair. We can make it happen, but, you know, we primarily teach adults. Uh-huh. And it's the way the kind of classes are structured. They're monthly. People pay monthly. And then they come. The beginner's classes are once a week they meet. And mm-hmm. once they get hooked on it, we filter them into a band, and then they start a band, and then those people meet twice a week. And, you know, to give you an idea, like our main band, Kupira Marimba, they're going to be playing ACL in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And nice, they're, congrats. You know, they're, they're a professional band. They're out there doing it. Uh, we do a monthly residency at Sahara Lounge with a couple of the student bands, and it's a good time, you know? So, yeah, I think, what else do you say? Do you have to skill level we ha- our saying is we'll teach you how to play a song in less time than it takes to eat a taco <laughs> wow it's true. That to, that's to a the test yes right. and that's a very good saying for austin like, <laughs> everyone, everyone can relate to that right. <laughs> yeah. i've looked out, looked out some videos and not only you have the marumbas now but you got drummers and mm-hmm. other instruments part of it mm-hmm. and you're kind of it's not straight african music anymore you kind of transcended and be like all right now we're going to add some other elements to it so mm. how did that happen and mm. what is the structure of that so you all rehearse or how, do, how does that how does that work yeah so those are so we've got a few things going on right we have the school uh-huh. and we have the traditional acoustic bands which are right now kupira marimba and mafaro so they're doing the traditional straight up stuff mm-hmm. and then my band rattle tree there there's five of us in that band and we have the marimbas and then, then I put MIDI triggers in each of the marimba keys. And so while I'm playing the marimbas, I can trigger synth sounds mm. on my computer and, and even with like modular synths and stuff. And we mix drum machines. Mm-hmm. So the band Rattle Tree, we're mixing like straight up electronica EDM music with this ancient traditional music. And it's that's more of the the festival kind of show we have video projection mapping and led lighting and um crazy costumes and all that <laughs> where'd you get the idea to do that or or were you the first that's, that you know of? i mean that that's more because i just like that like a lot of i was going to kind of talk about that like yeah. the i feel like we sort of with the band i'm talking about the band rattle tree specifically sure. like we kind of straddle this uh edm world and this you know world music world and neither communities really knows what to do with us you know? <laughs> um, it's true. but if you listen to like i really started getting into like future primitive and blue tech and all these kind of uh dj like a lot of these there's some really amazing electronic music that's taking african rhythms african sounds sure and making really complex music mm-hmm. and and so i was doing a lot of 
ecstatic dance and contact improv and all that and started DJing these kinds of dances and just really getting into these wild kinds of things and then then just wanting to mix it and, and do my own music with it. So so that's what Rattletree does. Uh, how do you come up with the name? What did what yeah. the name come from? I always yeah. like I always yeah. like those those yeah. stories about how to come up with it. <laughs> well, uh, our story is maybe a little weird. It was actually in 2000 there in Santa Fe, you know, when we were playing, and we didn't have a name, and we actually asked the audience. We, oh, we nice. had like a Funny. full full house. Oh, the we audience. What did, yeah. We had them all just fill out sheets of paper and put it in the hat by the door, and then at the end of the night, we were just looking through them all, and we saw Rattle Tree, and I, for some reason, I just really liked it, you know. So it wasn't any deeper than that. But then years later, I found out that there actually is a rattle tree, and it only grows in Botswana, uh, which which is like right by Zimbabwe. So you know, it's like this kind of I don't know if the person that wrote it <laughs> knew that, you know. But I mean, that's the source of that music. Is Just, right uh, what, what what are the names that people write down? Do you remember any? I don't remember any. <laughs> None of them stuck. We we had so many band names at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, actually, let me. Uh, I got some of your. Music yeah, give, a little, give the people a little sample. Yes. This is from uh, KUT. Oh, yeah. This is actually from that uh, DJ called Feed Me. This was one of his songs that we, we put to the marimbas called Blood Red. See, there's a lot going on in there. Yeah. Gotta wait for the drop. Oh, I hasn't started yet. <laughs> <laughs> it is the drop, like EDM drop. Oh, sorry. I should I should have cut it. Yeah. I'll put the link to this video on the. Uh, No, I mean, so what do you, when you hear this kind of music, do you meditate? Do you, is it you're dancing? Like, what are the applicants? The audience? What does the audience yes, do? Yes, that's what I'm asking. Um, they, they do whatever they want. So that, that's what I love about this is you can have someone can meditate right next to someone who's dancing their ass off, mm -hmm. you know, right next to some, like, music student who's just like analyzing the polyrhythms you know <laughs> so it's you know it can be for your brain if you want it to be for your brain or your body um you know it's up it's up to you wow really. the cool thing about that song that you were just playing actually was uh 
that, like I was saying, that's a cover from uh, Feed Me from a guy named John Gooch out in the UK. And we played at, do you remember the name of that festival? I don't. It was at this festival on 11 11 11. It was out here, but anyway, the Thrive Festival. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's actually an awesome festival that happens. It's a random thing. And we played that, and somebody videotaped it on their phone and uploaded it, and John Gooch heard it, mm-hmm. and then he shared that with his network, and all of a sudden we had, like, 10,000 views, like, the next day That's on that awesome. video. It was yeah. crazy. It's, like, my first experience of, like, a bunch of people I didn't know <laughs> hearing the music. Big social yeah. media breakout. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> cool. So, well, I, yeah. I noticed you always play barefoot, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you just hop <laughs> left and right. I give oh, interviews barefoot. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to get the energy coming up from the earth. Yeah. From the earth. I mean, it's the, the rattle tree takes his fruit, so yeah. he's got to. I, I have a question, and, and just looking at the performance and, and me being just an offici- uh, a lover of live music, mm. how much of the show, when you do a live show, do you stay to structure versus improv mm. with this type of instrument? Mm. The, the band, the rest of the band, for the most part, are staying structured, and uh-huh. then I'll improvise on top of it. So the way... The way the instruments are set up with the triggers, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you use if if you're a musician like I'm not, but um, I'm familiar with a lot. Okay, of it, yes. so I use Ableton as kind of okay. like the backbone for a lot of the stuff, and then I have I have what I call the thumper, which lets me pick the scenes of the specific song that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So as we're playing, I can decide, you know, how long I want to be in one section of the song till I go to the next song or the next section. Sure. So it leaves me open to improvise. Ah. So I can improvise from one spot get done there go there go to like a real structured section and you know it leaves it open when we first integrated all this stuff it was really important to to not be a slave to the computer right so <laughs> we even have like we're, we're hearing a click in a lot of the music to kind of keep everything together but we have the click synced to us as opposed to being synced to the click gotcha so if we want to speed it up or slow it down we can you know so oh, good. Uh, how do you how do you compose music like this Mm, good question. Um, I have so I've actually sampled each of the marimba notes, and then I have I I use Reason from way back, uh, <laughs> and which is a program you know. It's oh, I thought called, you just mean Reason. No, like, no, no, sorry, sorry. Logic and Reason. <laughs> I use Reason, man. What do you want from me? I just just Reason to make music the, for the musicians out there. So I, I I have Reason not as my main program, but I have it sampled where each marimba is a different instrument, and so I can write out all the music with the samples and then hear it play back, you know, how the band would sound basically mm-hmm. um, instead of having to use like, you know, general MIDI fake marimba sounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can hear how the band, cause we don't play, it's not in a Western tuning. So it's, it's, you know, in this traditional tuning that we're using. <laughs> Did that answer your yeah, question? <laughs> it does, but I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to picture what is the, like the physical representation mm. of this music. Like, you, you learn guitar, you see the notes and all that, mm. like, you know, the keys. But marumba, uh, marumba would be different, I guess. The Well, I you can write it out. You can write it out in sheet music. Okay. So, like, when I'm teaching my band, I'll compose it all, and then, then I'll print out the individual parts, mm-hmm. and I'll give them the sheet music. And then they'll go take it and learn it and come back, and then we'll practice it. So... It, I'm not sure. If no, no, I, I get, I, I get yeah. it. So do you have, you know, you come up with the melodies. Mm-hmm. I would assume, like, do you listen to other music? Maybe listen I to ADM, listening to house, listening to like how do the songs? Yeah, exactly. Come because to be. Yeah, you know, it's. Do you meditate barefoot on top <laughs> of a tree? <laughs> he does. <laughs> on a rattle tree. <laughs> you know, a lot of it comes from. So 
it, there's like the two sources. The Embira source uh-huh. is is this set structure of rule of musical rules, you know, that are that specific spirit possession music has has a real specific structure. I call it like a musical mandala. There's there's a, a very specific chord progression that's happening mm-hmm. that you can take that and you can superimpose it on on kind of any instrument or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for the Ambira style stuff that I set to electronic music, I'll borrow from that. I'll take, you know, an idea from some traditional song. Otherwise, you know, a lot of times I start with I start with the drums. I start with the drums and the bass, you know, and I mm-hmm. get it I just get the beat, beat because yeah. it's about, you know, again in Zimbabwe trance music spirit possession is is dancing that's how people get possessed that's this music is dance music first you know Mm -hmm. meditation music is is about moving your body and dancing so if you can't get that beat going well you have to get that beat going first is there um, a community of marumba musicians in austin or even in texas it, oh, are you uh, the only one just well our oh, no. school yeah. i mean the community would be the the people here in our school sure. as far as here in in austin or texas uh-huh. uh, there are other pockets like in in boulder there's a, mm. a great community of people uh, kutandara they have a, a marimba center there mm-hmm, they have cool. s- several marimba bands kind of doing what we're doing um or at least in as far as the acoustic stuff up in the pacific northwest so there was this guy, Dumisani Maraire, that came from Zimbabwe in, in the mid-70s. And he went to, he was an ethnomusicologist. And he went to a university in Seattle. And, st- or it wasn't in Seattle, up in Washington. And the, so in the mid-70s, he started this community of African marimba music. And that has from then grown into this pocket. So like Seattle, Portland, Eugene, there's there's probably like 50 marimba bands. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What's the Santa Fe scene like still? <laughs> Santa, Fe, Santa Fe scene. Um, is it still there? It's still there. Yeah, Dan. Is this Dan, Dan still there? still there. Dan's still there, <laughs> man. He got this old escuela. He got this old church and just like turned it into his studio space. Cool. Peter Swing is another one of my first teachers that's out there as well. So, yeah, they're they're still doing their thing. It's literally everywhere. I mean, we went up to do workshops with, uh, there's f- like five or six marimba bands in Alaska. Like huh. On Kodiak Island, there's marimba bands. Like it's, it's just it's music that you hear and you just have to, you have to play it. So. It, it connects with it a lot connects. of people, it sounds like. All kinds of people. Yeah. Is there, with that in mind, I'm, uh, we, we've touched up a little bit on festivals. Mm. What are, are there certain festivals that, that are more embracing of it or that you're more common to see that type of instrument and that type of sound? Well, I, I think we're really kind of like I was saying, like, I feel like we're kind of between these two worlds and they uh-huh. don't necessarily know what to do with us. Is that good because um, you get to go to all of them or bad because you don't get to go to either? It's bad. <laughs> it's bad because we, you know, it, it's harder, I guess, because a lot of the like what I want to be playing are more things like art outside, which we love. Art outside um, is what the, uh, to me is one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of vibe. That, that's what we love doing. The difficulty I'd say for us is is because we do this electronic music. That's pretty much these days the domain of DJs. So mm-hmm. they're just so used to just booking a DJ to come in and, and play their DJ set that they're not they they don't even want to contemplate the idea of a full band that's doing this kind of stuff on a stage, you know, right. logistically. 
So I think that's that's probably like our biggest challenge. But with that said, we yeah. play um, like last last summer we went up to Michigan for Bliss Fest, which was this awesome. Mm-hmm. And man, Whiskey Shivers were there. There were like oh, all these all these other great Austin bands there. <laughs> um, you know, and a, a few years ago I went out to Prague and did some stuff. And, cool. You know, so hey, we are open to more. I if know. there's <laughs> any EDM <laughs> festivals out there that want to have something different and like. It's funny because, you know, all these guys, they're all like, man, just show us, like, electronic music played by live musicians. And it's like, Yeah, that's kind of what you're doing. That's, yeah. a, that's yeah. a good really tagline, yeah. you know. It is. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But they just don't know what to do with it yet. So. And it works. We'll show them. <laughs> it works. Well, that's why, man, I don't mean to hijack it, but, like, here, here in Austin, you know, we just, our school is our studio space. So, right. you know, we just started this 32 square hundred foot warehouse where we have three projectors and a full stage and all the led lighting so we just decided to create our own space here to be able to do exactly what we want to do here with that in mind it sounds like you're creating an opportunity Mm -hmm. which transitions me to speaking of opportunities and what you're creating Mm -hmm. you have an event coming up don't you yes (laughs) great segue Yeah, we do. Do you want to talk about sure, it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we moved into this space in the middle of South by, which was insane. Cause we had won best world music band. And so we were playing all these gigs anyway, it was crazy. Yeah. So we have been literally like building in the dance floor, putting in AC, like just getting everything ready. And we were so fortunate to get a grant from the city of Austin cultural arts division to put on these five shows. And it happens to, to fall right with our, our grand opening. So we're doing a whole weekend. That, that sure was that a coincidence. Um, we're doing a whole weekend there are no coincidences (laughs) that's great September 23rd through the 25th of Mm -hmm. glow parties um, in our new space showing off all the projection we're working with rock and roll rentals going to do the sound awesome X8 drums are going to facilitate a drum circle with Solomon Masala. Uh, we have DJ Happy Happy James is going to be playing sets. <laughs> and his wife, Ciara Blossom, is going to be doing hoop and maybe fire dancing. Wow. So it's like a real yeah. community event. And what's so Eba? cool? Eba's oh, yeah. Oh, and Eba yeah. from Casamance is yes, going to be doing food. Yes, food represents Senegal. <laughs> good stuff. Shout out to Eba. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're so excited. And what's what's great about it is, you know, there's, there's five shows throughout the weekend and there's two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. And then the Sunday show, we decided, oh, you know, we'll do a matinee because people are always asking us, yeah. you know, can we bring the family out? Like, I've got kids. So I said, sure, let's let's do one then. And people are, like, doing their kids' birthdays there. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, all of these people are coming out. We, we decided to do a interactive video dance wall where they can, like, manipulate the video oh, yeah. with it. Very nice. So Good um, merge of technology, I must say. So well done on that. Thank it's you. really fun. And we've just had a great response. We're so... Uh, honored to be on this podcast and <laughs> you know it's it's been really great and and ticket sales are really good and it's just gonna be a big fun dance party so we just hope that everyone will come out rattletree.com for tickets yeah can you run down the logistics days times yeah. price or anything like sure. all that for anybody listening sure so uh friday night 7 to 9 p.m. is the first show mm-hmm. and it's going to start off with a drum circle and then uh, and then the rattle tree glow party mm-hmm. and then in between the sets though at nine o'clock uh, DJ happy happy James is going to be spinning and then there will be another rattle tree show the late show at 10 so you can get tickets to the early show or the late show mm-hmm. and people that go to the early show 
and the Late Show can both see Happy Happy James yeah. playing in the middle. Ah, very nice. You come early or stay late. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Cool. exactly. And then on Saturday night, same same, same setup, setup, same setup. And then on Sunday, we're doing two to four, and that's the matinee. And so it'll start off with a facilitated drum circle, and and then have the the dance party. So Wh- where's the location? Where oh yeah, it? so it's on Thornton Road. So if you know where the ABGB is, mm-hmm. uh, Old Torf and Lamar, it's it's right in that area, uh, super central. There's free parking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good call. <laughs> that's important in Austin. It really yeah. is. It is. It is. And tickets are sliding scale, five dollars up to forty dollars VIP, and um, cool. yeah, big community celebration. So grand opening of our space. So come out and help us celebrate and like get some good juju into this place yeah. you know? i mean you guys have been working really hard i mean i i, <laughs> I went on what was it a couple of days ago i was impressed they had to build a vip area they have a big wildwood projection and stage man thank you thank you we just we just finished the sprung dance floor last week so there's there's a real dance floor for people to dance on wow Come out and enjoy this, Austin. Support live music. Support yes. the growth. That's Do something here. different. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that, that's, that's the big thing because people get stuck in these routines. Like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to go downtown. I'm just go to West 6 and blah, blah, I'm like, no, come on. No, there's plenty of stuff going on in Austin. We're blessed to have, you know, such a wealth of music and people doing great things. You got to go out there and uh, and support. Uh, got and they, they really, sorry to, to No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. People, I, I highly recommend people should get tickets soon because they are starting to sell out. Mm-hmm. If you've got the family, if you've got the kids, come to the Sunday show. We mm-hmm. probably only have about 30 tickets left for that show. But uh, otherwise, the Friday night, Saturday night, come to the late show. We still have some tickets for that. So definitely get your tickets early at rattletree.com. Sweet. Actually, we got a question from, uh, from listeners. listeners. Yeah, question. Uh, ha- have you played any spirit ceremonies in Zimbabwe? Mm. Is that yes. what? That oh. was a question, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's not why. <laughs> <was that>? Yes. <laughs> yes, but I got to describe it. So that's not one of the things that you are, you are, you are, you are, I won't say banned. That's not the right, forbidden. Mm. Yeah. Mm. F- from doing. You were going to get into some of those, correct? Yeah. No, there was only just, uh, um, because I was kind of talking about that hierarchy of spirits. So mm. there's, there's what's called the Mondoro spirits, which are, are like the main national spirits. And there's only three of them. Um, and my teacher actually plays for one of them. And mm-hmm. when he plays ceremonies for that Mondoro spirit from Buyanehanda, I can't go to that ceremony. Gotcha. That's the only one. But, but most ceremonies are, are family-based. They're like your great-grandfather passed away, and so we're going to do a, a ceremony for, for their passing. Gotcha. Um, and that's, you know, after a year, the way it works, once they've, they've passed away after a year, you do a ceremony to welcome that spirit back to the family mm-hmm. and that spirit will possess the spirit medium. So those are the Bira ceremonies and those are the ceremony I can play those. And those are the ones that I've played mostly. Mm. Okay. Is it, you know, a certain type of songs for each ceremony? Did it some, some sound maybe happier? I don't know what, yeah, I don't know yeah. what sad marimba sounds like. <laughs> a, a sad Bira would sound like, I don't know. No, it, no, that's a great question. And it's, Again, I'm maybe traveling into territory because I go with my teacher, and and so different Imbira groups are are brought in because they are able to bring the spirit quickly, uh-huh. and so my teacher is kind of the most famous for that. For being that's why he plays from Buyaneanda because they know that he can come in and knows the song to play. Mm-hmm. So part of being a great Imbira player is to come into the situation and and intuitively know 
what specific song you should play to bring that spirit. Mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, the answer to your question is yes, there are specific songs that are used for specific things. Hmm. And it's, it seems to be based on what that spirit wants. It's not based on some idea of like, oh, well, I played the prelude and now I must play this. It's not uh, like, a formula. Yeah, it's like this spirit, this person, when they were alive, they liked this song. So we're going to play this song and we're going to kick ass on it and, and get them back. So you had to rehearse the song and learn it and actually know all the the um, the meanings and the the culture behind the songs. So did your teacher sit you down and say, okay, Joel, this is why this <laughs> why we play this song. This is or were you just like th thrown in and it, it was more like I was just thrown in. I mean, there there's a repertoire of songs okay. that that as an NBA player you need to know. And so maybe there's like a hundred songs that mm -hmm. you need to, I, I don't know how many there are at this point, but, and we used to, I mean, we played like, you know, four, well, we actually played four nights a week and the way gigs worked there, you know, you start, cause we, we lived in the, the high density suburbs there in the ghetto. Mm -hmm. um, and we would also go play bars, you know, so you'd go to the bar and you'd start at eight at night. And the rule was, you know, people complain about the clubs here. The rule there was you play until the last person is done drinking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you never stop. So you, <laughs> so you play usually eight at night to six in the morning. Wow. And we were doing that four days a week. So, you know, after doing that for, uh, I don't know, a year and a half or so, like I, I had a pretty like, I had a I had a connection with my teacher where I understood where he would go and and I actually remember like one of the kind of most proud moments that I had was was being up there with him playing and he started playing a new song I'd never heard and I just play you know it's just like you just know what's happening you're they say like we have we had the same hands at that ah, point oh you know? so it was just like oh like you're just in it you know are there different styles. Uh, I mean, you have Zimbabwean, marimba. Mm. Uh, what about the neighboring countries? Mm. Very different. Or maybe in Europe, maybe in other parts of the world, they play marimba differently. Even in different parts of Zimbabwe. So, so like the specific style that I play is Kore Kore, which is like northeastern Zimbabwe. Oh. So like that was my, that's, that's like what I play is Kore Kore style of Mbira. Yeah. Yes, but that but that's that's tied to the sound, the kind of music. Maybe maybe an instrument is built a little differently, or all all of the above. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> yeah. So so the instrument can be. There's like five main types of mbira in Zimbabwe. So okay. like when I was saying I was traveling around to these different parts of the country, I was recording different types of mbira music. So like the kore kore, they play matepe mostly, and they play a different type of mbira. Mm -hmm. And their style is crazy. You know, they it's like really fast underlying beat, but then like you have this like slow kind of over rhythm where all the court the the background I keep saying chorus, but it's more like responding vocals uh -huh. are in this like slow three four kind of thing. While you have mm -hmm. this like fast twelve eight like lead thing going, so it's just like oh fucking love it <laughs> 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 but that, that was a that was a great question from uh, actually we got it from Kristen Sankaro <laughs> on Facebook let's get into some uh, FOMO picks yeah for the weekend why don't you leave it off yes don't sir yeah Wednesday September 14th is four year anniversary of the Austin Mike Exchange we had P-Tech on the show a few months ago uh, at Spider House Ballroom 8 o'clock it's basically open mic for all the you know 
inspiring hip hop artist here in Austin, and they've been doing it for four years. It's a great time. If you want to check out Feedback's episode, it's episode number 94. Mm -hmm. So just go to thefeedback.com slash 94. You can hear all about Dawson Mike Exchange. So four year anniversary is going down. Spider House Wednesday. And then it, oh, go on. No, what's that? I was going to say special event the next day. Yes, the next day, um, I'm doing a live podcast at Mohawk and interviewing Magna Carta. Wow. So that's, that's this awesome. coming Thursday. Uh -huh. Yes. This coming Thursday. It's, it's going to be during the happy hour time, so 5.30, 6 o'clock-ish, still uh, finalizing all the details about that. So, yeah, it's just the 10th anniversary of Mohawk. They, they have all these events for the next, actually, all week. Man, 10 years of Mohawk. 10 years, that's crazy, wow. man. Yeah. How'd that happen already? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, let's see, what else, what else? Friday, KP and a Boom Boom. Uh, it's performing at Scootin, 8 o'clock with Zeely, Boom Baptist, Max Kelly for Magna Carta, Jack and Vincent, Keeper, wh who's been on the show yep. also. And uh, it's $10 online, 15 at the door. KP and Boom Boom, always great. Yeah, I just want to yeah. say, that's a great local show. I'm not going to be here in town, but if I was, I would definitely hit that up. They're amazing. Yeah. Yes. yes. Good, good, good local lineup. If you're in right down the street is Cold Lampin, three anniversary. There's a bunch of anniversaries going on. Uh, at the yeah. Hotel Vegas, Code Lampin is three DJs. It's uh, Chicken George, Dang It, and holy shit, I forgot the third one. Now I feel bad. It's all like 90s hip hop. That's nice. what they do. Nice. At the Hotel Vegas, it's a big dance party, and they're celebrating their three anniversary at the Hotel Vegas. Friday, September 16th. Saturday, more locals. More locals. Henry the Invisibles. Mm. Uh, Man, Henry is. The funkiest white guy I know. <laughs> That's how I call him. One man funk band. He's been on the show as well a couple of times. You can go back to episode 84 and 98.1, the one we did live mm -hmm. at Stay Gold for Solstice Festival. And he's releasing his, uh, his album, called Mosaic, at Empire Control Room, 7 o'clock. And actually, I'll be there doing a live podcast before the show. So interviewing other bands. He has Interrobang Brass Band. Chicken George will also be playing and Trouble in the Streets. So good stuff. We'll be out there. You can get your tickets online, $10, 12 at the door. It's like $50 VIP tickets. So you get side stage viewing and a CD and a signed poster and all that good stuff. So Henry's been really, really doing well. Congrats to him for releasing uh, that yeah, album. Agreed. I mean, yeah. the funkiest guy, I swear <laughs> to God. I swear to God. I saw him at a South by show years ago. Impressive. He's awesome. He really impressive. Really impressive. And of course, the Globe Party. Let's repeat one last mm -hmm. time. Thank you. September 23rd through the 25th. You got it. Right? com for all the information. I have all that stuff on the blog post. We're going to wrap things up. Miko? Well, I just want to say thank you all for coming out. Thank you. Rakefit. Rakefit. I had some of the consonants right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Really great. I, I, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot about the music. Um, I came in here back as a, as a world music fan. I'm a little bit of a noob, I think, into the area, but I enjoyed learning it. And then the sound is amazing. And just I love the stories that y'all presented, and I love what y'all are doing with the Glow Party. So thank you for coming out, and thank you for doing what you do. Hey, thank, thank you. And you guys, too, man. I, yeah. I love that there, there's such an awesome and, and just consistent podcast here in Austin that's just talking about the scene, man. Really. Y'all are doing great work. Thank High you. Quality. Thank you. We're blushing. Can you say that? <laughs> <laughs> it's video now. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow the feedback on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. 
Uh, rate us on iTunes. It actually helps with the ranking. Mm-hmm. Just look up the feedback in the podcast section. Share with your friends. And you can also donate. That helps with the equipment. You can go to the feedback.com slash donate. Like help pay for the camera we just got? Yeah. <laughs> this, this camera was not cheap, folks. So we're stepping it up just for y'all so you can actually see our faces finally and actually see the faces of the people who yep. come on the show. And, you know, maybe one day we'll have like a whole live show going on. It sucks. You, I should have told you to bring the beer. That would have uh, been next great. Time. Next time. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's fine. You know, go you th- should do a live one at our glow party, maybe. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> 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 ideas, ideas. <laughs> ideas, ideas. I like it. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, folks. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Ciao, ciao. Later, Austin. <laughs>